Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are joined by a writer from WEI and one of the hosts of the midday show, the drive time show, the two to six show on WEI. It is Mego herself, Megan Ottolini. Megan, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you. Uh, We're excited to talk to you. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we launched the new afternoon show, Merloni, Fourier, and Mego, back in, let's see, it was late May, so right in the middle of the Celtics uh, playoff run. So it's been super fun since then, and we are so happy to be in the NFL season now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Listen, I'll tell you what. Megan is one of, like, the nicest people I've ever met, certainly through any of this stuff. A little story for those of you that don't remember uh, or maybe didn't hear the story. The first time Megan was on with us, she was working for the Boston Globe. She was with me and Spags. And this was back in the day when we used to record through, I don't even remember what the hell we recorded through, some some other site. And we had an entire 45-minute conversation. And I went to go hit stop after she had left and realized I never actually hit record. And so we had an entire conversation with nothing, with no audio whatsoever. And Megan was incredibly gracious and was like, don't even worry about it. It happens all the time. And came on the next night and did another 45 minutes with us. And so uh, and so we always love talking to you. You're a great, great person and a great analyst as well, obviously. But, uh, but you know, uh, that's one of those ones that I'll never forget because that's, that's, that's a memorable one for me. Listen, my heart went out to you because as my time as a reporter, the number of times where I walked away from someone's locker or something being like, yeah. I just got some good stuff. And then you go sit at your desk and you go, all you hear is yourself turning it on and off. And you're like, no, what was that? It's three seconds of me pressing the button on and off. Oh, And it's always the best ones that that happens to. too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. But anyways, let's get into some Patriots talk here. Uh, Obviously, right. I was, I was on here. Now we uh, I was on here last week talking about how I thought the Patriots were going to play well, and I was looking forward to a good game, and, you know, don't worry about the offense, and, oh, my God, that was a terrible performance down in Miami. Uh, Do you think that that's indicative of of what we're going to see the rest of the way through, or do you think we're going to see some improvement this week? It's tough, you know, because I think that the things that we saw on offense are not, like, first-game jitters or at least it didn't look that way to me, it looked like really big picture stuff. And I think that's what the scariest part is, that it looked like a very basic offense. It looked like very basic, predictable play calling and schemes. And then on top of that, you know, I think a lot of us came into preseason and certainly training camp, not really questioning the offensive line and seeing the amount of times and the manner in which the the O-line broke down uh, on Sunday was so concerning. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be doom and gloom on here because I think there are a lot of bright spots on the team, but it's very difficult to look at the performance of the offense Sunday. Hey, they can only go up, right? 
You know, I really believe they can only go up because I do believe they have really good skill players and that Mac Jones is on his way to being a really good quarterback. But the big picture stuff is a major concern to me. Anytime you're you're walking away from week one of year two of your franchise quarterback and your question is how serious is the back injury and not, wow, like this is this is amazing. That's never the position you want to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And we we got to talk to Mac in person on the show down at Gillette on Monday. And, you know, we've met with him twice now. And of course, the first time we met with him was uh, ahead of week one. So he was very buoyant and ready to go in a good place. I think it was like a week before his birthday or something. And then seeing him after her being so beat up that he couldn't go to the podium and was immediately going to get x-rays on that back because he was in that much pain. Uh, you know, it's just tough. You never want to put your quarterback in that position so early on in the season. He doesn't want to put himself in that position, and especially a young quarterback, you know, like he's you don't want to lose the time in the development with him. Absolutely. And that's that's one of the big things. And now, you know, you have a, a Pittsburgh team that had a billion sacks last week and didn't blitz for the most part, right? Wasn't a huge blitzing team. Now, the good news, and Dark Blue Gold pointed out, uh, T.J. Watt is out for this game, which Mm -hmm. is good for the Patriots. I mean, obviously not, you know, good for the NFL, but good for the Patriots. Um, And so, you know, that's – but they're going to have to be better because they still have guys that can get after the quarterback on the inside and on the outside. And so, you know, yes, of course, them not having T.J. Watt is huge for the Patriots, but it's not as though this is going to be a pushover team – Pittsburgh can still get after the quarterback. Those offensive line uh, problems and issues are going to have to get fixed immediately. Yeah, and I'm not sure that you can fix them immediately. Again, I don't want to be doom and gloom. I think Trent Brown, um, I would love to get your guys' perspective You know, on what you saw Sunday. I was really disappointed in the play that we saw from him. I think specifically mm-hmm. on the strip sack on Mac, where he seemed to just completely whiff on that one man blitz from coming from the safety. And I'm not sure if that comes from a background of playing with Tom Brady, who will point out and micromanage at the line of scrimmage and see everything that's coming, but you're playing with a second year quarterback and as smart of a guy as he is, and as quickly as he processes at the line of scrimmage, you're the vet in that situation. And so, you know, for him to completely whiff on that, is really disappointing and frankly scary. I mean, I, I we talked to Mac on Monday and asked him which if there was a specific play where he felt that his back got, you know, janked up or banged up or however you want to put it. Um, and he pointed to the high-low hit. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that play with Trent, but you just think, you know, even though you're not supposed to – people complain about not touching the quarterback, the quarterback will get rough from time to time, and we saw the outcome of it. So I, I'm concerned. I think if Trent gets on the right page uh, going forward quickly, then you could see some big changes. But I'm wondering what you guys thought of your first impressions of seeing him out this season. Well, I think both of those big sacks were probably on Trent Brown giving him up. There's the one where he had the free rusher coming through before the strip sack. And that side, it's some somebody on the left side of the line is messing that up. There's a miscommunication somewhere. Miami makes it difficult on you. So you're never it's hard to keep a clean sheet on a day like that. 
but you have to avoid the catastrophic mistakes. I mean, I think you would take four sacks over two sacks the way that they happen mm-hmm. when they're when it's turned into points for the other team and it's because people are getting free rushers. That's just it's the miscommunications. And outside of those two plays in the passing game, the line was pretty good. It's not that these guys can't pass block. They just don't know who they're blocking. And, I mean, you're going against Pittsburgh. They already have good pass rushers. I don't think you want to let Minka Fitzpatrick through free because we're going to be having the same conversation in a week. Yeah, and I felt the same way. I mean, you know, Brown is one of those. I thought you put it really well. Like, he's a veteran. He's supposed to know what the hell he's doing out there, right? And the hard part about the strip sack is that everybody else did the right thing on the line except for him. So it's not like everyone was screwed up. And, you know, it was a, it was a, you know, a call by Mac that Mac missed something or, you know, everyone else got it right except for him, right? He Mm -hmm. has to know that guy comes in late and you got to say, all right, well, I got the last outside guy. Hey, you know, Rook, you got, you got the guy inside right here that I thought I was going to pick him up, but now you got to pick him up. And so like that needs to, that needs to happen. Right. And it didn't. And that's. That's unfortunate. Of course, the Patriots don't even get the call on that high-low one. They don't even get the call because uh, of the chop block. And like, and to me, now it's one of those. Obviously, cannot over. I thought that was a dirty hit by by Holland. I thought he he you know leaves his feet after Mac already threw the ball, leaves his feet and jumps at his head. I mean, I just thought like I'm like that's a nasty hit. I mean, I I was shocked that you know, he didn't get some sort of unsportsmanlike conduct for that because that's just un, un, uncalled for, you know? And some of those hits are like, some of the pa- uh, rough in the passer ones, you're like, okay, that's weak. That was not a weak rough in the passer one. That was a that was a pretty nasty one. So, but again, that's on Trent Brown. And, and you know, the, the, the free rusher, is that one on Cole Strange? Is that one on Trent Brown? We don't really know for sure, right? Um, it seems like it probably was on, I think at least it was probably on on Strange and Andrews because it seemed like they were the two that were doing something different from the other three. Um, but still, that's one of those that you got to get that figured out, you know, because that one kills a drive, right? And you didn't you didn't turn the ball over there, but you're moving the ball, and now all of a sudden you're not, right? So that that takes maybe three points off the board, right? So that's stuff that cannot absolutely one hundred percent cannot happen, uh, and it's one thing if it happens to Strange once when he's a rookie. But it can't happen to, you know, to older guys. And then, you know, I, I think more to the point here, like Belichick then benches Cole Strange, brings in James Ferentz, and the strip sack happens, you know, two plays later. And <laughs> Ferentz is on the field instead of instead of Cole Strange. So, you know, it, it's that's not the answer. Benching guys is not the answer, especially young guys. And I don't know. I saw Wynn get benched. I don't know if that was a, a conditioning thing um, or like a heat thing or, or whatever the case may be, but uh, that's not, that's not what you want to see week one. Yeah. I mean, I know they went down there Tuesday and were acclimating and they said that the heat uh, acclimation helped them out a lot. I think that some of those substitutions had to do with, especially with those big guys, uh, yeah. you know, getting them hydrated, keeping them hydrated so they wouldn't cramp up and everything. Um, so some of that was to that, but also it's the nature of this all goes back to, you know, the nature of the institutional knowledge that we call it leaving the building. Mm-hmm. So having somebody like uh, Tooney, who we've heard, you know, used to get in the huddle and basically tell a lot of the other guys, including Trent Brown, 
what their assignment was going to be on the offensive line. And then obviously losing somebody like Dante Scarnecchia, who I think has said himself had really, really good connection and dynamic with Trent Brown and was a very good motivator specifically with him. And so having all of these kind of people who have always been a little bit in the background, but very foundational to recent success of the Patriots. It's not just, you know, Tom Brady leaving or James White retiring or, or Edelman retiring. It's, it's really a lot of people in the building. And you lose Shaq Mason and Ted Karras from that room too, which I think, I think you can lose one of those guys, but when you lose both now, you don't have uh, anything in the middle where you can say, all right, if it's not working, like, they, if things weren't working or conditioning or whatever, it's James Ferentz that's going in there, the guy who's barely clinging on to an NFL roster right now instead of a, a veteran that you really trust and you know can do well. And it just doesn't give you a whole lot of depth. There's not there's not a lot of plug and play here. This isn't 2014 where they're trying to shake things around and see what's going to work on the line. I don't know what other personnel options I have other than the guys who are starting right now. Yeah, you know, they brought Marcus Cannon in, on the uh, practice squad. And I do think Cole Strange will uh, pick it up pretty quickly. By all accounts, he's a very smart guy and an incredibly like psychotic level worker. So I think he'll yeah. fit into the system well that way and that he'll make a good impact this season. But it's just it's just a tough position for a lot of these guys to be in. Absolutely. Cool. And you mentioned Strange. I mean, he was, what, fourth? I think it was fourth in PFF grade for pass blocking yeah. for the game. So, you know, you like to see that. I mean, for his first career game, that's pretty good, you know. So uh, so we'll take it. But let's stay on the offense, but let's move away from the offensive line into the pass catchers. Um, not a lot of separation there on Sunday, except for one play. Uh, nice 41-yard completion of some guy. Mm, never played. Oh, this guy, Kendrick Bourne. I'm not sure if you've heard of him or not, but he's been on the team, apparently. He was on the team last year. But uh, I know I know Tommy Karn came on your show and, and talked a little bit about that situation. We've obviously heard some some news about what happened. Can you shed some light on what he said and uh, and maybe if you've heard anything extra on top of that? Yeah, so, you know, the quick backgrounder is that Kendrick Bourne was the second most productive, at least numbers-wise, wide receiver on the roster last year behind Kobe Myers, had 800 receiving yards on 53 catches. And so we all thought was poised for another great season, if not, you know, career-defining, really good season. Uh, Speedy guy, gets separation, goes up across the middle, very tough, like great yards-after-catch guy. And he only came in for two plays, in the fourth quarter. This was after a tough summer for him where by all accounts, you know, getting kicked out of practice for fighting, getting reamed out for having the wrong equipment issue, getting benched for uh, reportedly being late for a meeting. And so uh, Tom had gone on our midday show, Gresham Keith from 10 to two. Uh, he went on earlier in the week and said that uh, he had gotten the information that, Robert Kraft made his opinion known about Kendrick Bourne only playing those two plays, being on the field for those two plays, and that he expected that Kendrick Bourne's playing time would increase. And uh, I'm going to paraphrase this, so I'm going to do my best to keep it as accurate as possible because I know that these relationship things are very sensitive. Um, And if you want to hear the whole interview, you can get it on the Odyssey app. But Tom Curran came on our show today 
And he clarified that saying that basically um, he had the information that in the locker room, someone observed Robert Kraft going up to Kendrick Bourne at his locker and implying along the lines that he was going to get more playing time next week. And that ultimately uh, Tom is under the impression that that message originated or may have originated from Bill Belichick himself. So, you know, there's many layers to this where I think with the initial report that Tom put out, some people were concerned, oh my God, is Robert Kraft meddling into playing time of players? You know, that's the immediately what you go to because Robert Kraft has always been a guy that is separation of church and state in terms of coaching decisions and has only broached that since 2000 yeah has only has only told the line with that you know on one or two occasions ever and usually with personnel um so it's hard to say exactly what the message was or how it was delivered but i think the important thing to glean from it is however it originated wherever the sense or the opinion came from it sounds like belichick and Kraft, according to tom's reports are on the same page that we will see more Kendrick Bourne this Sunday. It's a good thing. That's a very good thing. (laughs) I think so too. I think so too. Um, It's been tough. I think to watch him be in the doghouse as long as he has, it's been a little bit inexplicable. Yeah. Um, You know, I wasn't. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I was not at a training camp in the way that I usually would have been in my more reporter days, but by all accounts, you know, it just, he was having so much fewer receptions. He was seen much lower on the depth chart by coaches and all of this information that just runs very contrary to the guy that we saw last year, both in terms of his attitude and his production on the field. So, you know, hopefully it picks back up for him. And I mean, it's tough. They replaced Nikhil Harry with a guy who, is a very productive pro in Devontae Parker and you throw a second round pick in the building and it, it's the nature of the NFL just because you're good one year it doesn't mean you get the same opportunity the next year that's born might born would be is a very good player and he might end up being the fifth guy on that depth chart by the time things are all said and done too yeah see I just I see in my opinion and who knows but to me it's it's the relationship with Mac that I see the most uh, you see that you saw them all off season, always together. They were always working out. They were always hanging out. And I love the energy that Bourne brings. Even at practice, he's always fired up. He's always got things going. He's always talking. And I love that. And I think Max, that type of guy too. So they get along really well. I would like to see Nelson Aguilar's almost them flip, right? Aguilar comes out, Bourne goes in and Aguilar is the guy that can go in and take the top off the defense because he can do that. He has the ability to do that. And Bourne obviously doesn't have quite the speed that Aguilar does, but I think he's a better route runner than Aguilar. I think he's a better all-around receiver than Nelson Aguilar is. And so that's, and especially where Mac, I think, is more comfortable throwing to Kendrick Bourne, to be completely honest. And so, like, that's kind of where it's like, oh, do you want to take Devontae Parker snaps away? Which, like, I don't know if he's going to fight for balls the way he fought for the, for the first interception, then maybe. But, like, you know, still, I just feel like, okay, let's, Let's kind of work born in a little bit, at least split those those uh, those snaps with Nelson Aguilar. So it is one of those things with Kraft, though. People get worried about, like, oh, is he going to step in and this and that? And, you know, of course, Parcells left because of that. I'm mean, way back in 96, right? right? Talking about, if you know, if you want me to cook, I'm going to go buy the gro- – you know, I want to buy the groceries. I get it, right? But that was a long time ago. And like you said, you know, it's been – 
he's never really meddled in in anything you know if you if you don't believe which i don't believe if you don't believe the the reports about jimmy g and everything like that so uh to me i i do think that that's a good thing if if him and belichick are on the same page with that um and it wasn't like an edict that came down from from bill belichick uh from sorry from from robert Kraft. so that's good and i think i think the best thing for this offense is for him to get more snaps so hopefully that does happen one way or the other you know yeah, you know, it's just been, I think it's been unexpected to a lot of us who are not in the meeting rooms or anything, obviously, that it, the season has started out this way for Kendrick Bourne and that training camp went the way that it went for Kendrick Bourne because we think about the way that he was last season and Nelson Aguilar was the guy who really had vanished pretty early in the season and was never to really be heard from again. And I do wonder how much of it goes back to the comments that we heard Kraft make at the owner's meeting this past spring when he talked about, you know, he obviously had the comments about the three playoff games, but, right, you know, referred to some of the spending on free agents and all of that. And you look at some of the guys who got a little bit more playing time on Sunday and it's Johnny Smith and Nelson Aguilar who both are on tremendously large contracts when you look at the spending on their offense. Yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. true. Yeah. I think you also got to, I mean, I ask about like the punishment for Bourne too, just in general, because I mean, we've heard about what happened there. At least we, I feel like we have a rough idea of what's going on behind the scenes, but I don't think we've ever seen a punishment kind of extend this long. I mean, he got benched for a preseason game and a regular season game other than whatever it was that happened with Malcolm Butler, which mind you was also under Matt Patricia. Um, the only other thing we've seen is Welker make comments in a press conference and get benched for one series in a playoff game. And so it's tough to find anything in the past that kind of matches. Like it almost makes you wonder that there's something else going on back there. Cause it's, it's a 103 degree day on in Miami. You feel like you're going to, and you're swapping out offensive linemen. You feel like you're going to go into your depth at receiver tip. It feels like that's gotta be part of the game plan. In that situation. Well, and to add, to add onto what you said, Matt, they lost all those games, right? So like, yeah maybe it's not the best thing to send a message during the game. Like send a message at practice or send a message somewhere else or dock them some pay or do something. But like, that's a Super Bowl game, a playoff game. And now the opening, the opening game of the season and you're, you're benching guys for disciplinary things and you're losing those games. Like that's not really what you want to be doing. Yeah. It's a fair point. And the other thing is, you know, most of what has come out about him being in the doghouse is tied to, things that happen in training camp or before Carolina or that week and that week of the joint practices with the Carolina Panthers seem to really be the low point for him. And so then you wonder how much of it is like, well, you know, is he really not getting with the program right now? And then I think it's a really difficult balance for the Patriots because they have in recent history run their program as this is how we do it. And if you don't click and you don't get with it, how many receivers have we, big name receivers have we seen come through here and get immediately, you know, kind of cast back out because they can't get with the playbook, can't get with the program, don't like the culture or don't click with the culture of the way things are done with Bill Belichick in New England. Um, But I think you're at a place now where you don't have the same luxury to say it's our way or the highway. I mean, just based on what we've seen so far in training camp and Sunday, 
that's not who you are right now. And so you may be tasked with having to do a little bit more handholding with some of these guys. If the issue is not clicking with things, not getting with the program, you know, in one way or another, you might just have to approach that in a different way than they have in the past. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point because you can make those, you can do those types of things when you have Tom Brady and you're in the AFC championship game every year, right? You can't really, I mean, you can do those things, but you can't really do those things when you're, you know, a nine, eight, nine win team with a second year quarterback, especially with, you know, a guy who was his second favorite target last year. Right. So it's, it's tough call, you know? And you also, again, you got to bring up, it's a new offensive coaching staff. And I think I'd seen a little bit about maybe them having something to do with this. And it's probably not a great look for some of the guys in that locker room. If you got a new coach coming in saying to the quarterback's second favorite receiver, Hey, you were a minute late to a meeting. So you're going to miss the first game of the season. I don't know how that's going to sit with some of those guys. And it's still early. You know, this is mostly on offense, at least the same core group of guys who were here last season and they would call last season a success. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that they're super, I don't know. I haven't asked, but in the media availabilities that we've been offered with guys, you know, it doesn't seem like a locker room torn apart. Right. It's very early for that to happen. Yeah. But you know, when it's always tougher with all of this stuff, when you lose. Yeah. And they were a team in training camp. I thought that got along extremely well and we're having fun and we're talking trash back and forth to each other and, and really seem to enjoy being with each other, which I think is important, especially for a young team. It's important for every team, obviously, but it's, it's especially important for a young team that is a team that's trying to build on something, right? And so I think, you know, building as much of that culture as you can is important, but also you do have to tell that line with Belichick where it's like, if you're late for a meeting, you're late for a meeting. Like, we're sending you home. That's it. Like, it's just not, that's the way it goes. You know, I don't care if there's three feet of snow on the ground. It doesn't matter to me. Like, get there on time. If you got to leave at 3 o'clock in the morning to do it, then you leave at 3 o'clock in the morning to do it, right? And so, uh, so I get sending that message, but again... That's one of those things that's like you got to toe the line, right? And and you kind of balance that act, right? Where you're kind of like, oh, how do we how do we kind of fit all that stuff together? And they've figured it out before. And you said it's early. So we'll see what happens. And hopefully that was one game. And you know, in, in four or five weeks, we won't even be talking about that anymore because Kendrick Bourne will be, you know, getting a ton of snaps and playing well with Mac and and so on and so forth. So we'll we'll see how that goes, but that's the hope at least. That's yeah. essentially what happened last year. You know, I mean, they were trying to go out with two tight ends a lot last year. And unfortunately, uh, I think it was around the Texans week last year that Johnny really just started falling off. And that's pretty much when Kendrick Bourne, he had been doing okay up until that point. But that's when his production and his playing time really ramped up. And he obviously built great chemistry with Mac Jones and had a really great season. And so, you know, who knows? Maybe it just takes him a little time to warm up. We've seen better Patriots teams on paper, at least, have worse games to start seasons before. For sure. Yeah, that's a great point. So, all right, let's switch to the defense just for a second. Uh, some young playmakers on defense. I was very surprised that Anthony Jennings, which, by the way, uh, I know you probably haven't seen this. I'm trying to I'm trying to get it started here where everyone calls him Penny Jennings because of Anthony Hardaway. Anthony Hardaway might be before yeah. your time, but uh, but maybe not. 
Uh, yeah, Penny Hardaway, Penny Jennings. Like it's you know, I, I like the I like the fit. I haven't run it by him yet because I haven't talked to him. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think we should get that going. That's I think that should happen. Um, but anyways, he he was a healthy scratch, which I was surprised about. I just the one guy on defense that has just completely baffled me is Marcus Jones. I just don't, you know, he was playing with the ones. He was starting right away, basically right out the gate in training camp. Week one of the preseason comes. He doesn't play. None of the starters played, including him. So everyone assumes, well, he's a starter. Then Miles Bryant plays in the game. And next thing you know, Miles Bryant's the starter now. And then Marcus Jones is getting zero snaps. And I'm like, what is going on? And now Marcus Jones, who was the, the most electric, you know, punt slash kick returner the last few years in, in college football, is getting no punt return stuff either. And Miles Bryant's handing on the punt return duties. I just, I'm very confused. I don't know if you've seen anything or heard anything about it, but it just seems, it just seems so bizarre to me. Yeah, I haven't. Um, you know, obviously with the, with Gunner leaving, who I didn't think had a great season no. last season anyway, um, that's a position that they seem to still be trying to figure out. I also wanted to see Marcus Jones return some punts and kickoffs just because I thought it'd be interesting, you know, but um, I, I would say across the defense, I was pleasantly surprised because I think we forget about him a lot by the play of Jonathan Jones during the game. Oh yeah. Um, You know, cornerback has been such a core part of the Patriots defensive identity for so long. And so to come into this season it's even different than coming into last season where after, you know, Stefan Gilmore and that whole situation unraveled, you still had JC Jackson. And so coming into this situation this season where you'd say, okay, we have Jalen Mills on this side and who knows, right. you know? And so I thought Jonathan Jones looked like a total pro, like was very consistent, looked very dependable. So it was nice for me to have that concern kind of say like, yeah. You know, it's not perfect over there. It's not elite on either side, but it's serviceable. Mike Tomlin compared him to J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore, which I was shocked. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, and I know uh, it? Taylor Kyles he used to do Pat's pulpit stuff. He had a whole thread on Twitter breaking down Jonathan Jones against Tyreek Hill in the past. And we saw more of that on Sunday. That's a, a matchup that, by and large, Jones has owned. He's one of the few corners that has the speed and the technique to match up with Tyreek Hill. We're going to see what happens this week. Because uh, who's going to go up against uh, with Pittsburgh? Is it going to be Deontay? That yeah. could be an interesting I, battle right there. Yeah. And so, you know, I think their secondary is in, I think the defense overall, honestly, now that I say I was about to say their se- secondary is in pretty good shape. Um, obviously, their safety group is really great. I don't know. Like, you know, you, we try yeah. to find these positives on the on the way right. that the roster is constructed right now. And it sounds a little lame to be like, wow, what a great group of safeties. <laughs> but you have to take the bright spots where you can get them. So, you know, the defense is less is much less of a concern for me than the offense. I would just I, like yeah. to see them be a little bit more opportunistic. You know, they were very, very solid on Sunday, uh, only giving up 13 points. And that's great. But I think with the way that the offense is plodding along right now, you're going to have to put some points on the board. And I'm not saying every game, but, uh, you know, with John Jones getting his fingertips up on a possible interception on Tyreek Hill, 
um, with Tua coughing the ball up on a fumble, these are, these are opportunities where you just got to be heads up and just sharp and very quick because your offense is going to need the possession and the points where you can give it to them. Yeah. No, Jack Jones got to come down with that ball, you know, and, and look, we talked about it uh, at at the instant reaction. They forced three fumbles, right? They forced three fumbles and two of them went out of bounds and and the Dolphins recovered the other one. And then you have the Jack Jones dropped interception against Tyreek, which rookie playing his first game is like third snap of his career going up against Tyreek Hill. And and you hope that, you know, later on down the line, he'll come down with that. And then you had the other one where Miles Bryant knocked it away from Devin McCourty. So they were there in some plays. They just had to now finish those plays off, right? And so it's one of those things that you hope that it comes back. I, I was on with uh, the guys from behind the steel curtain, which is the SB Nation for, for Steelers last night. And I said, I'm like, their defense is good. I don't know if there's like any one position or player that's elite. I think Matthew Judon's very good. I think Christian Barmore is going to be very good this year. Um but I don't know if you could point to one player on the defense and be like, that guy is a top five player at his position, or that guy is, you know, going to be an all pro this year. But they just, they're solid across the board. They have a good front seven, they have a good secondary, and they don't have many holes. But like now it's like now they got to be opportunistic as well, right? And come out, come away with some plays, like you said, because that's, that ultimately is what helps you win those games where you only score. 10 points, right? Because, oh, your defense forced a turnover and scores a touchdown just like Miami did last game. So that's yeah. that's what separates and, it, and it's not even, it doesn't even have to be, you know, it, it, even just forcing the turnover and getting you into a very favorable right. field position. You know, like it doesn't have to be the J.C. Jackson sniping it out and then running it back for a touchdown or the moments that Devin has done that in the past or anything like that. Like it can just be, because I, I'll say this, and I'm sorry that I'm going back to the offense, but one thing that I think is really problematic with the offense is how even when they are clicking, it takes them so long right. to to score, To that their scoring drives are going to be these nine-play drives, these 10-play drives, and running the ball and the whole way that they operate, even when it's working and they don't make mistakes, it eats up the clock a lot. And so, you know, even just getting those extra opportunities to get down and score quickly off of a turnover could be the difference in a game going forward. Yep. I think we've also talked a lot about the offensive coaching. We haven't talked at all about the defensive coaching, which was (laughs) the story people have been following last year and before that. We finally got some consistency there, and I think it showed. I mean... Uh, you go back to 2017 when they start the year and you got guys blowing coverages and trying to figure it out. And there really wasn't any of that. It's all veterans in the room outside of a couple young guys. Um, they played a lot of depth. I mean, they they got they played Jack Jones at corner. You had Jelani Tavai and Josh Uche playing serious minutes. Peppers getting in there. You had Mac Wilson playing. And none of these guys were really making mistakes. They're all making good plays. Everybody knows what's going on. Nobody's blowing assignments. The worst is sometimes you're going up against somebody that's a hard cover, but that's that was about the the worst of it. And apart from that one play with Jalen Waddle where Duggar yeah. takes the wrong angle, it was the- interesting, you know, because we've been talking a lot about the way that Bill has been talking about this team uh, in his press availabilities and being very strange after the game in saying that you know they were two plays. It was the difference of two plays. It was an even game. It was very un-Bill Belichick. 
And then when he was asked, I think it was the next morning about Kyle Duggar, like the old Bill Belichick came out where he was like, yeah, he's a great tackler. Yeah. You know, that play, he can't be, we can't be having that. And went on and talked about how he screwed up that play for, you know, the next minute and for the bulk of the quote. And to me, I mean, I might be reading into this too much, but that's the way that he talks about players that he really, really believes in. So it's setting the standard. And to be honest, it was one of the worst whiffs of the whole game. So it's fair. Change the whole yeah. game. And Duggar, Duggar had a fantastic game outside of that. There was the mm-hmm. time he's coming down in the box, moving guys around, then just shooting the gap on that toss play, and getting mm-hmm. tackled for a loss. He had a really good game outside of that. Uh, and I was I was looking in, on Pro Football Reference this week, just at kind of the the expected points before and after some of these plays. And if you combine, if you take that interception on the first drive, and you, I think there was defensive holding on that. I think that should have been first and goal at the one. The expected points differential between first and goal at the one and the other team having the ball is almost eight points. And that Jalen Waddle play was almost a seven point swing there because you're not supposed to score in that position. Right. And that's all right. That's right. two plays. It's a over a touchdown, over a two touchdown swing, really. And you see where Bill's coming from with that. I will just say, and I think I tweeted this out. I will not have ref talk on the first drive of the season. Like right. I will not stand for it. It was I, so, I said, I don't want to hear it. And then after the game, I think we had one caller or something on Monday who wanted to talk about it. And I said, no, beyond this being the first drive of the entire season, you got a makeup call. You got the contact later. See, that was the makeup call. Yeah. Okay. So it's all fair. See, I, I was on the, the Patriots website this morning. I was just looking through the photos from the game, seeing if there was anything cool. And I get to a picture. Pat, I scared, I showed this in the Scotia Slack. I don't know if you saw this. But I, I, I saw know. a picture of that interception. And you can just see Parker's jersey just getting stretched off his shoulder. And it sure. Just, it this is where I said, you guys, like, it's the first drive of the season. It's the first. If you can't yeah. come back from that. That is not what right. the story is about, you know? And if, if, if the not, game is close enough that you got to rely on the refs and on right. rely on turnover luck, you're not doing enough right. If you're well, counting more, on the refs, you're losing. I'm more upset because I wrote a whole article that they'd win and they were driving down the field, didn't even get to third down. And I was going to – I had this whole plan. Oh, they were going to score a touchdown, and I was going to tweet something like, the Patriots suck. They couldn't even convert a third down on that drive. And, you know, like – and they ruined it. So I'm more <laughs> upset about that than, than anything else. But you're right. Well, I mean, the drafts know. folder is always filled with, you know, it's a graveyard <laughs> of great jokes. Right. So, you know. You, you know, the second you type that in there, it's. I didn't. Like, I the, did. The, I the purposely, okay. I don't put any drafts because I'm like superstitious like that. I don't the, even the say anything out loud. Curls. You don't get a third down. <laughs> no, can't say anything out loud. I'm like, nope. See, my draft folder is all like. Oh yeah, cool profile pick, bro. Of yeah, right. Years, you know, <laughs> saying a mean comment, and I'm like, I'm not going to send that. That's going to the drafts. Yeah, just in case. It's a good call. It's a good call. So, all right. So let's let's get into what you think is going to happen this weekend. Uh, we've talked a lot about what what the team looks like. Are you expecting a win? I mean, obviously, no one knows what to expect. But what do you think is going to happen? You think they're going to go into Pittsburgh and win? I know Matt has a has a has a stat about about uh, a little fun fact, maybe a little trivia about this game, but. Uh, Okay. But before we get to that, do you think they're going to win or do you think they're going to lose? Or do you think maybe like the like the Colts and Texans, they'll tie? 
Yeah, well, to be totally transparent, we haven't done a ton of our like look ahead coverage yet so far. We are going to we do that more into Fridays. Um, but I would say I think it's going to be a low scoring game mm-hmm. <laughs> across both sides. It's going to be some pretty uh, vintage football. <laughs> Love it. Um, I do think that they'll win, but I I think it's going to be close and ugly. You know, a, a case of who doesn't cough the ball up, who's able to take advantage of the clock, run it down the other team's throat as much as they can. And it will be interesting to see uh, how Mac looks because he just seems to be having an incredibly tough week between yeah. the back spasms that took him out of commission Sunday night and then uh, apparently having an upset stomach, some kind of illness for practice today. So hopefully he's back out there um, Friday and is available, but that could also swing things dramatically. Although that kid's so tough, like yeah. it's hard to imagine that he would sit out Sunday unless it was something catastrophic. There's a little, little Lamar Jackson going on. What are you uh, guys thinking? Yeah. Ooh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you got, you got to take care of the ball this week. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you can't beat, if you can't go into Pittsburgh and beat, you know, a team where they're number one running back, I know he practiced in full today, but like he's not 100%, clearly not 100%. Najee isn't. And Mitch Trubisky is their quarterback. Like, if you can't go into Pittsburgh and win that game without their best defensive player, I just like, I don't know if there's any hope for this season. Uh, because, you know, again, and you got to take care of the ball. I think you should be able to get a few takeaways from them. And, you know, it's just, this is a, this is one for me where it's like you got to play a hell of a lot better than you did on Sunday because that was that was downright embarrassing and you can't let that happen two weeks in a row. Right. I guess I'm just not sure how different I expect the offense to look in terms of. Right. Um, I don't think that they'll be facing as aggressive pressure of uh, the offensive line, but I, I, I'm not sure that they're suddenly going to transform into this you know right. beautiful Chargers passing team. <laughs> Or anything like that, you know, it's just um, if they make that transition into being more pass happy and doing RPOs and play action and all of these things that I think people are really yearning to see Mac Jones in action with, I think that's going to be something that the coaching staff and the roster are going to have to take some time to develop over the season. Yeah, agreed. The flip side of that is I think they can go out and play like they did in Miami without the turnovers and probably win this game. You score 14 points, that might be enough to win because Pittsburgh scored 16 in 14 possessions, I think, last week against a defense that should be worse than what New England's is this year. And had five turnovers. So True. True. So we'll see. All right, Matt, what's the trivia? You You got something for me here. All right, well, first of all, this is we're going to be breaking in not a new stadium but a new uh, a new name there a creature yeah. stadium a no creature? idea it's, is that no. how you okay I was calling it Acre-sure. I have no idea I I, I should think really a creature up sounds better yeah so first game um, with the new name this is the earliest that the Patriots have ever played a game at this stadium in the season first time they've played this early and it is the second hmm. earliest game that they have ever played at Pittsburgh. Meg, I don't know if you're going to be able to like, get this, but do you? This is Pat's vintage. But do you okay, know when I'm that game? Yeah. <laughs> you know when that game was? I'll give no. you a second. Okay, we're going no. back. Ninety-one. <laughs> what? Ninety-one. Yes. 
Oh, look at that. Nailed it. 1991. Yeah, I know. So there we were actually, you know, we were talking before the show and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't have an event for this day in history. It's this day yeah. in history. It's well, there you go. Look at that. So can you tell me who the starting quarterback was for the Patriots that day? They lost 20 to six in, at Pittsburgh. in 1991. Yeah. Third week of the season. Man, uh, was it before Matt was born? Absolutely, it was like 15 uh, years before Matt was. No, that's not true. Uh, but, uh, is that true? Oh my God. I think that was the year my parents met. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> oh my god. Um, the well, it's not Tony Eason, that's not right. I don't believe. I think he was gone before that. Uh, I don't think it was Zoe, although I'm sure he was here at the time. <sighs> Man, I don't even know who who they had in '91. Um, I have I have no clue. I'm gonna be as soon as you say it. I'm gonna be like son of a. It was Tom Hodson. Nope, nope. Don't know who that is. Yeah, <laughs> never heard he, of him. He before. threw he of threw for course. one touchdown and four interceptions through the first. There we go. Games did not start again that season. He came back the next year. Started a couple of games in '92, and I think he went to New Orleans after that, and that was about it. Tom Hodson, him. what a what a guy, what a guy. Yeah. Tom I don't know what he's up to these days. I'll have to get him on there the show. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh, so before we get into this weekend's poster, Matt did mention this weekend's post history. But before we do, I got to talk to you, Megan, mm-hmm. about milk. Oh God. Okay, <laughs> that conversation today was fantastic. Uh, I saw a little clip of it on Twitter. I, with with the uh, we don't want to upset Big Dairy here, okay? Because I we know, know that That's we know. When we were doing it, I was like, do we have this as a sponsor? Like, do I need to be careful right now? But uh, but you have – you have a, it sounds like a pretty strong hatred for milk. Yeah. I don't know. I For the longest time, I just have found it really gross. I think, like, the consistency, if you do skim milk or whole milk, it's just either too creamy or just, like, white and watery. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but it's just – Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got was, you. We were talking about it because – um we had to do the Christian Fourier and I had to do the one chip challenge. Oh yeah. The, the, uh, those go, oh, my God, man. Yeah, those, Cause yeah. we lost a bet. So we were talking about having to drink milk when we were going to do the one chip challenge to, you know, because of the fiery. Chip. Oh yeah. And I was saying everything about this is horrible for me because I hate milk. I, I was the first time we actually had milkshakes, but I think it was the first time I had milk in over 10 years. Which is crazy. Now, did you do like oat milk or soy milk or anything like that? Almond no, milk? I just don't drink milk. I just now, put in your coffee. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> me and Bill Belichick, we don't. Drink yeah, me neither. Me neither. Join the club. Um, did you do the one chip challenge? Did you eat the whole yes. chip? Did you have to eat the uh, whole chip? No, I ate half the chip. Oh, okay, because I ate it? half the I, chip I'm one time too, and I was like, "This is just—it was very unpleasant." It's really bad. <laughs> it's like I—I'm. So we did it at five. So I've returned to normal now, but I would say it took until probably right before I got on with you guys to feel normal. Yeah, it took a while. It took a What is the one chip challenge? It's these crazy chips that a company called Packy puts out there. And they, um, this one has Carolina Reaper peppers and ghost pepper powder on it. And so you eat it and then it just, basically you just your whole body is on fire your body like shuts down you just like can't even like it was it was horrifying i was like (laughs) oh it's fine someone bought my my kids my kids went to went to the store with my mom 
they like to go to like get little snacks, whatever. They, oh, they're like, Dad, we know you love hot stuff. We got this for you. I'm like, what? And they were like, and then I'm like, oh, my God. So my sister's like, you don't have to eat it. And I'm like, wow, well, whatever. We'll, let's film it. I'll put it on Twitter. Like, fine. You know? And I was like, that was just, that was, there's nothing fun about that. I <laughs> it's feel just like brutal. children should not be allowed to purchase it. Like, I don't right? want to be, you know, a yeah. snitch or anything, but it does not seem safe for kids. No, imagine <laughs> like a, like a fifth grader trying that. Oh my yeah. God, man. So yeah, that was, that was rough. Um, but yeah. Oh my goodness. So that's funny. Now, do you put milk in your cereal? Nope. I just eat my cereal dry. Like out of Really? Yeah. Honey nut oh Cheerios, God. you know. Honey nut Cheerios just dry. Yeah, okay. I share them with my dog. So hey, there you go. Very... Look one at that me, bonding time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. That's that was unexpected. That was I thought maybe you were gonna say, oh yeah, you know, I put it in there, but I don't drink no. it afterwards or whatever. But nothing. No, I don't wow. touch it. But I like cheese. Like you know, I'm all yeah. About well, it's not the consistency it's though. It's not issue. the dairy. It's the milk. I get it. I understand. They well, eat ice cream and stuff, right? Yeah, I eat don't really cream? like ice cream. It reminds me too much of milk. <laughs> like, wow. I feel like cheese is like a different thing. You know? What about butter? I mean, how often are you just eating butter? Like, you know, like if I'm using you butter, butter and your I'm bread? cooking. I, don't, I can't remember the last time I sat down and was like, I'm buttering some bread for, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, she's like, bread I, is like I, the I worst thing. I eat a piece of toast the, every day. Matt, listen, bread is like the worst thing in the world for you. It's terrible for you. You shouldn't be eating bread. Megan knows this. I know it too. I, I mean, still eat bread, but I mean, I know this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I live with a celiac, so I don't really like bring yep. home big loaves of bread. So that makes sense. That makes <laughs> I'm sense. Trying to kill them. Um, yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> so, all right. So let's go. So uh, we're gonna do this week in sports history. Uh, we've already gotten a little weird, which is great. That's exactly what we're looking for here. Speaking of weird, I am wearing. I don't know if you saw. I'm wearing a hashtag dork. I shirt. was wondering if that's what that was. It was, like, yeah. It's one of my that? favorite. It's like the dork dad shirt. I love it. So oh, nice. um, I'm a big I'm a big uh, Marvel guy and whatever. So I like their show a lot. So um, but anyways, uh, so, yeah, so we got we got a little weird already. We're going to get a little more weird with this week in sports history. We got a few okay. a few good ones. So so here we go. Here comes the sounder. The second week in a row. Here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. You should have seen how excited Pat was when he showed me that for the first time. I was so excited. I love it. Um, so, but, uh, but okay. So this week in sports history, Megan, you have one. Do would you like to start? No, I don't have one. No, you don't. Yeah, I sent <laughs> no, you a DM. I, don't. I'm sorry. I sent, I sent I you a DM of it. I know that's you okay. sent me a DM, and <laughs> well, I said, oh, "Listen, I'll, I was just oh, trying I'll to like pretend like like it was." <laughs> I said, "I said, oh, I'll definitely find one," and then I just completely whipped on it. It's that okay. Really it's un- all right. Sorry, very unprofessional. It no, it was not at all. This is a completely ridiculous ask, and you, <laughs> you know, so, um, but nevertheless. So Matt, you you already did yours, right? Which was the Patriots played. I have, have another, another one, one that I can bring oh. up. Oh, do it! And I and I have a piece of trivia I can oh, God. throw out with this one. Okay, Matt, why didn't you all... send me yours? I could have played it off as my own. <laughs> <laughs> I I did not realize that that Steelers setting, one was setting actually... homework for adults. I didn't realize that Steelers <laughs> one was go. on the date until I was uh, reading it to you. Well, there you go. See, look at that. Yeah. Um, the other one I have here on this date in 2002, uh, then Oakland Raiders quarterback Rich Gannon 
began an NFL record-tying streak of six consecutive 300-yard passing games. Uh, and that oh, game no. was at Pittsburgh. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Would you look so at my, that? My trivia with that is, do you know who drafted Rich Gannon? The New England Patriots, of course. And do you play, know what To play wide receiver. No, no, cornerback. Running running back. Running back. Oh, that was Jim yeah. Plunkett. They wanted to play corner, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I can't after... Having only known Rich Gannon is that quarter, the other quarterback in the snowball in 01. I cannot yeah. imagine him as a running back. I know. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, all right, I have two. I have two. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give my two. Would you like to read the one I sent you, Megan? Do you have it up or no? We'll just skip it. I don't. Did you, did you, <laughs> I DM'd it to you. I did, in fact. How I? I don't. I I just picked up my phone because I've been so locked in. Well, you've been locked in. Very yeah. professional of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not seeing it. All oh. right. Don't. Okay. Oh yes. Okay. I have it. Here it, it is. All okay, right. Okay. On this day in history, in 1973, the Buffalo Bills O.J. Simpson rushed for a then NFL net uh, NFL record 250 yards in Buffalo's 31-13 win. At New England. Brutal. So how do you guys feel about that? <laughs> Love it. Um, speaking of the NFL, uh, on September 17th, 1920, the National Football League is born in Canton, Ohio. 12 teams pay $100 to join what was then called the American Professional Football Association, named the NFL in 1922. Um so yeah, so there's that, and then even so what is what is one hundred dollars in nineteen? Oh my god, probably quite a bit. I mean, not like not that, that much. Matt's that googling like it. Twenty thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, I see him. Keep stalling, and I'll uh, and I'll get <laughs> it's it. All right. I would I say it's probably probably somewhere see, around three thousand. Whenever I see something on, you know, when I'm watching a weird British show from yeah nineteen eighty or something, and they're like, it was forty five pounds. I'm like, well, first I have to figure out what pounds to dollars is, and then I'll adjust. Yep. Dark blue gold beat you to it. Fourteen fourteen hundred eighty one dollars and thirty eight cents. That's that's what I found too. Which yeah, that sounds too low. I was gonna. For that amount of money, I'm sure the three of us could found our own NFL team right now. We sure could. I that's mean, then like again, they were. A, it's like renting a bedroom in Boston at this point. Yeah, they were that, probably playing. They were probably paying the guys a, like twenty five cents a game. So, like, you know, you could do that. So that's about what I pay for rent here in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> and that's his whole room right there. You can't even. That's right. it. it looks, that's all it, it is. It looks like a wonderful room, though. <laughs> I just look at that. Uh, Your bed is made. I always have uh, only this half, only the one that's in the camera shot. <laughs> <laughs> I amazing. just put up uh, wrong side. This, I put that. Up, oh yeah, the uh, Patriots before our last one. Yeah, which I bought that when I was a kid, and then after buying it, discovered that that is the first Patriots game I attended. Look at that, Patriots Ravens, two thousand nine. Not not the playoff game. Oh, not the not the game. one where they got two thousand nine. Oh my gosh, you're such a baby. I, know. I was I in am. college. It was wild yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> so I was already married by then. Uh, there you, you go. Know, so there you go. So, all right, last last this week in sports history for me. I'm going to go back even before 1920, 1869. Okay. I uh, I played in a golf tournament yesterday, so I thought this one was appropriate. September 16th, 1869. Golf's first hole-in-one ever recorded by Tom Morris. At Prestwick's eight hole in Scotland. So there you go. 
first hole in one wow. of all. Wait, time. so this is the first hole in one in golf history. Golf. I think, yeah, I think ever. That, that yeah. has to be a worldwide record, right? You would think. I think. I think it has to be like you know official. You know what I mean? I think it's like the right. first official hole in one. So. Oh yeah, there's plenty of guys out there who were like, Oh yeah, I did. I did that two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah Kim Jong Kim Jong Un's out there, you know, with <laughs> eighteen straight hole in ones. So, <laughs> how so, old exactly. is the sport of golf? How how long Quite before old. that does it? Oh, very yeah. old. I Way think, before that. But at what point is the cutoff where you can say, "All right, this is golf like we know it today"? Well, listen, 1864. I'm just looking here. On the same date in 1864, Tom Morris wins his third title at the British Open. So, like his third title in 1864 and that's the British open. So it's not just that's like random old. golf. I mean, golf has yeah. been around for a long time. Uh, yeah, Can we, we recognize how of much, course, how Dark much better Dark. Americans are at coming up with sports than the rest of the world? Yeah. Like if you go to the sports that were made up in America, like football, basketball, and then you go to the rest of the world and it's like golf, tennis. Yeah. You know, like yeah. find what we watch in the summer when there's nothing else. Exactly, soccer. Like no one, long, you know, whatever that the ski yeah. jump thing is, where the guy like <laughs> puts his body out. You're like, this is what you guys were doing. We came up with basketball. You right. Know? Good point. Give him hockey point. though. Hockey's no good. soccer disrespect. I'm sorry, Darko Gold. I apologize. We do have listeners. I know we have one. Uh, who is a Gary uh, listens from the UK. So we appreciate it. We know dark blue gold does as well. We won't disrespect soccer, but they did come up with soccer. We That's don't a good like one. soccer that much, but it's a good one. It is a good one. Yeah, so. They got, yeah, they got that one, right? I feel like baseball goes hand in hand with all the, like all old world sports, Yeah, you know, good where point. they're like, he's got to wear these socks. Yeah. Right. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I like, exactly, named yeah. the team after his socks. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, still name that for Christ's sake. Right. It's ridiculous. So, brutal. Not so, anyways, two teams. Yeah, I know. Ugh, no kidding. So, I, three because the Reds, they have the red legs. Yeah, it's three teams. The red. Hmm? Oh my God. The Reds were the red legs. Yeah, that's that's Yeesh. where that comes from. Okay. Sounds I guess like a kind of chicken or something. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> red leg chicken. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, all right. This is. It, it, I have I have another trivia if you want it. Oh my or god, Matt! All more, right, here we go. One more fun fact. You know um, the the stirrups that they wear in baseball for socks, the kind of the yes. old timey socks. Yeah, yeah. Do you know why they wore that style of socks? Well, I would guess so that they're so that they don't come up or come off. No, why? It's, they wanted to wear like colored socks to match the uniforms, but dye in that day and age wasn't safe. So they had to wear a sanitary sock underneath it. So if they got spiked, the dye would not go into the wound and cause an infection. What? Yeah. What? A bunch yeah, of so fashionistas. Yeah, the, uh, the underneath <laughs> one's called a sanitary sock for that reason. And I believe... The price of some... fashion. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> oh. I... That's a good one. I like that one. Thank you. Oh, where'd you go? To lose Megan? We might have. She was just like, was like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Too overwhelmed lose... by the fun facts. She was overwhelmed by by the uh, sanitary socks. By the sanitary socks. <laughs> so. Oh, okay. Oh, there she I'm is. Back. I'm back. All I right. don't know what happened, but I cut out for a minute. <laughs> we thought you might have been overwhelmed by the sanitary. No. <laughs> <the> sanitary <laughs> oh, my. So. 
But all right, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming through. We really appreciate it. Um, before, we, obviously, we all know, oh, right? There it goes again. I don't know what's happening. Oh, you're here. We still got you. Oh, no. No, oh, we don't anymore. anymore. So, all right. So she may not be back. But listen, two to six, WEI, right? Oh, oh there okay. she is. She's back okay. again. I'm just going to say bye now before it freezes again. Yes. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Megan. We appreciate it. We'll plug you. Bef- we'll plug you after you leave. All right, great. Thank, thank you, you so much. <laughs> See you later. Thanks a lot. So, yes, two to six, WEI, Merloni, Fourier, Mego. I mean, come on, dude. It's a great show. Uh, you, and man. do you really want to listen to the other guys? I'm just saying, like, you know. So um, so she's great. We love having her uh, come through. So that, that was a lot of fun. And she gets a little weird with it, which is good. That's what we want. That's what we want. Let's get a little strange. Um, yeah. So we like that. So can't put, at, how, do you, how do you not drink milk for 10 years? Hey man, listen, dude. You know some people. I, I, I used to I drink, drink milk, milk all the time. I, will I used say, to drink milk all the time, but I can't, I can't tell it. when milk smells bad. Milk always smells bad to me. So yeah, I it's not. Kinda, it's, it's not a great smell. Yeah, I buy it in the smallest quantity possible and try to use it all in like the first three or four days for whatever I'm doing because I just don't trust it past that point. It's a good point. I only I only use milk for cereal, which I don't really eat very often. And then if I'm making like mac and cheese for the kids or something like that, outside yeah, of that. You know, in my tea, I use a creamer. So I mean, it's the same I thing. Mean, but I don't, I don't use the regular. I don't use regular I don't milk. Any, I don't put anything in my tea. You're I do, I do honey sometimes if it's late at night or like I have a sore throat. Don't tell people that. that you're gonna get deported to the UK, dude. You can't, you can't put nothing in your tea. That's crazy. Tea, tea tastes good. I saw dark blue gold in the comments. If you're still here, I saw you were saying you like tea. honey is fine. Yep. Dark so blue gold said it. That, okay. All right. That's fine. <laughs> But you know, I'm just saying. I'm just I saying. I got a variety of teas too. I, I like black yeah. tea, I like green tea, I like chamomile. Oh yeah, no. See, I have to have like the I have to have like the uh, the vanilla caramel with That's good. the Splenda with the sweet cream, you know, creamer. So well, you're oh, I like really crazy when I tell you I drink coffee black too. So I don't drink coffee, so you could drink coffee <laughs> however you want. So I think it's gross, but. Anyways, all right, that's enough of us. Uh, now you know a little trivia about us, too, you know? Yeah. So if anyone ever asks you, does Pat Lane drink coffee? You could say, no, he does not. He doesn't like coffee. Yeah. So there you go. A little fun fact for you. So, but anyways, thank you. Thanks for coming through, guys. We appreciate it. Um, man, I hope they get a win uh, in Pittsburgh on Sunday, but we'll we'll see. Either way, we'll be back on Sunday night at some point, whether it's right after the game or, or right afterwards. Um you know, and and uh, and we'll be we'll be talking to you. Thanks, Dark Blue Gold, for, for blowing up the chat as always. We appreciate you. Thanks for uh, for everyone else for coming for coming through as well. So, uh, and we will talk to you guys on Sunday.